بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما In our last few lessons talking about the biography of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam we talked about the great battle of Badr and how it was a great victory for the Muslims and a great defeat for the disbelievers. And then we spoke a little bit about the aftermath of the battle of Badr and how the Prophet ﷺ dealt with the prisoners of war. Now continuing on with the aftermath of the battle of Badr, shortly after the aftermath of the battle of Badr, shortly following the end of the battle of Badr, there was actually an assassination attempt on the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Someone from the Kuffar of the Quraysh actually had a plan and an intention to go to Medina and carry out an assassination on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So how did this come about? Basically after the Battle of Badr, the Muslims returned to Medina and the Kuffar of the Quraysh, whoever survived amongst them and whoever wasn't taken as a prisoner of war, they returned to Mecca. So those Kuffar who returned to Mecca, they were very depressed because they lost most of their leadership. Many of them lost members of their families. There were those who lost fathers, those who lost sons, those who lost brothers. So the mood in Mecca was very subdued and the people in general were very depressed in Mecca. So one of the disbelievers of the Quraysh was a man named Umair ibn Wahab. Umair ibn Wahab was a man of high status in the Quraysh. He would be considered a VIP of the Quraysh. And he was amongst those people who fought in the Battle of Badr. He along with his son Wahab. So Umair ibn Wahab is the father and the son his name is Wahab ibn Umair so they both went together and they both fought in the battle of Badr but when it was clear that the Muslims had gotten the upper hand and it was clear that the Kuffar had no chance in winning this battle many of the Kuffar of the Quraysh they fled the scene they ran away so there were a number of people who were actually able to flee and who were not captured as prisoners of war. And these are the people who returned back to Mecca. As we mentioned before, 70 of the heads of the Quraysh were killed and 70 were taken prisoner. And the rest of them were able to flee and they went back to Mecca. So Umair ibn Wahab was one of those who was able to flee and he was able to return to Mecca. So he was not killed nor was he taken prisoner. But as for his son Wahab ibn Umair, he was captured as a prisoner of war. So Umair and his son, they set out together in battle. But in the end, Umair returned back to Mecca without his son because his son was captured by the Muslim army. So of course, when Umair returned to Mecca, he's alone. His son is a prisoner. So he's depressed. Umair was very depressed in Mecca. And... He was very sad that 
the heads of the Quraysh had all been killed. So this depression and this hatred that he had towards Islam, it was increased. And Umair, during the time that the Muslims were in Mecca, before the Hijrah to Medina, Umair was one of the kuffar of the Quraysh who tortured and harmed the Muslims very regularly. So he was one of the greatest enemies of Islam. So now his people were defeated at Badr. He comes back to Mecca. His son is taken as a prisoner. So this only increased his hatred towards Islam and his enmity towards the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So in Mecca, Umair was sitting with a very close friend of his. And his close friend was named Safwan ibn Umayyah. So Umair ibn Wahab and Safwan ibn Umayyah, they're sitting together talking about this great defeat that they suffered. And Safwan ibn Umayyah, he says, La khayra fil After the death of our leaders and after the death of so many of our people and our members of our family, there is no benefit in living. There is no good in life anymore. The sweetness of life is all gone now. And Umair ibn Wahab, he agreed. Wallahi sadaqt, he said. He said, yes, you have spoken the truth. La khayra fil There is no good in life after the death of our people and the death of our leaders. And Umair said, Wallahi, if it wasn't for the fact that I have many debts that I have to pay back, and if it wasn't for the fact that I have young children that I have to take care of. If it just wasn't for these two things, I have many debts and I haven't paid them back yet. And I also have young children that I have to take care of. But if it wasn't for this, I would go myself to Medina and I would kill Muhammad. So Safwan, when he heard this, he decided to take advantage of the emotional state of Umair here. So Safwan said to Umair, he said, okay, if it's just your debts and fear for your children that is keeping you from going to Medina and killing Muhammad, I will make you an offer. All of your debts, they're on me. I'm going to take care of all of your debts. I'll wipe out all of your debts. I'll pay it all off. And your children, I give you my word that I will take care of your children for the rest of their lives as if they are my own children. So those two reasons that you gave, don't worry about them. I'll pay off your debts and I'll take care of your children. So when Umair heard this from Safwan, he said, okay, if you make that promise to me, I'll go and I'll do it. So Umair and Safwan, they planned this out. So they prepared the sword of Umair ibn Wahab. They sharpened it and they laced it with poison with the intention of Umair going to Medina and striking the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam with that sword. So they sharpened the sword and they laced it with poison and they put it in its sheath and then Umair carried that sword with a sling around his neck. A sling around his neck tied to that sword so that he could walk and carry it. So he set off for Medina. So when he 
entered Medina. When Umair ibn Wahab entered Medina, and Umair ibn Wahab was known, he was known by the Muhajireen, the people, the Muslims who had left Mecca and made Hijrah to Medina, they knew Umair ibn Wahab. They suffered a lot at the hands of Umair ibn Wahab. So when he entered Medina, he was immediately recognized by Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. So when Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, when he saw Umair ibn Wahab, he became very angry. And he said, This dog, he is the enemy of Allah. And he is the enemy of the messenger of Allah. Wallahi ma jaa illa lishar. And he said, Wallahi, he is only here because he has some evil plan and some evil intention. So Umar was very angry to see Umair ibn Wahab coming into Medina. So he went to the Prophet ﷺ to inform him, Ya Rasulullah, Umair ibn Wahab is here. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Okay, okay, let him come in. If he wants to talk to me, let him come in. So Umar he goes out and he sees that Umair has this sling around his neck and he has a sword and he is afraid for the safety of Rasulullah Umar doesn't trust Umair at all. So Umar took that sling that was around the neck of Umair and he used it to tie Umair up. And then he presented him to the Prophet ﷺ, tied up. And Umar also said, before he brought Umar into the room, Umar also told some of the Ansar, some of the people of Medina who were there with him, he said to them, go and sit with Rasulullah ﷺ. I want you guys to go inside and sit around the Prophet ﷺ because I don't trust Umar. He might try to do something. So, so Umar ibn al-Khattab his primary concern was for the safety of Rasulullah So he tied up Umar and he had these Ansar go and sit around the Prophet to keep an eye to make sure that Umar wouldn't try to do anything to harm the Prophet So Umar brings Umar in, he's tied up with the sling of his own sword and the Prophet tells Umar to release him let him free. So Umar he obeys the instruction of the Prophet and Umar goes to sit with Rasulullah and during this whole time Umar is being very vigilant and observing everything very carefully making sure that nothing happens. So when Umar sat with the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ asked him, Ya Umair, why are you here? What brings you here? And Umair, he lies. Of course, he's not going to say, I came here to kill you, Ya Muhammad. No. He says, my son is one of your prisoners and I came here to negotiate his release with you. I came here to discuss terms with you that maybe we can come to an agreement and you can release my son. So the Prophet ﷺ asks him again, Ya Umair, tell me, what brings you here? And then Umair says, Wallahi, this is it, this is it. I just want to see if there's any way that you will release my son. He's a prisoner. And the Prophet ﷺ said, La, this is not why you're here. 
What about the conversation that you had with Safwan ibn Umayyah in Mecca? Where you said to him that if it wasn't for my debts and my family, I would go and kill Muhammad myself. And then Safwan said to you, I will take care of your debts and I will take care of your family. And then you agreed to come and kill me. What about that? And now Umair was left speechless. How could Muhammad know about this private conversation that he had with Safwan? And he said, Wallahi, no one besides myself and Safwan knew about that conversation. We kept it a secret between ourselves and we didn't even inform anyone else in Mecca. This was a secret just between the two of us. And Wallahi, there is no way that you could have known about this conversation except from revelation that came from Allah. The only way that you could know about this conversation between myself and Safwan is if you received revelation from Allah telling you about it. Ashhadu annaka Rasulullah. You really are the messenger of Allah. And Islam entered his heart at that time. So he took the shahada. Imagine this, he comes all the way from Mecca to Medina with a sword, a poisoned sword in order to assassinate the Prophet and he leaves Medina as a Muslim, alhamdulillah. So he said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah. He accepted Islam right then and there. And then the Prophet said to the people around, he said, Faqihu akhakum dini. Faqihu akhakum fi dini. These were the instructions that the Prophet gave regarding Umair ibn Wahab. He said to the people, Teach your brother his religion. Teach him about Islam. And teach him the Quran. And release his prisoner, his son who was prisoner. Wahab, he said, release him as an honor to Umair who had just accepted Islam. So this was the way that the Prophet ﷺ dealt with Umair ibn Wahab. An another shining example of the beautiful manners of the Messenger of Allah ﷺ. So after Umair ibn Wahab, who was one of the worst enemies of Islam in the early stages in Mecca, he was one of those who tortured the Muslims to a very severe extent. Now, he is a true Muslim and he asks the Prophet ﷺ for permission to go back to Mecca to give da'wah to the people of Mecca. He said, Ya Rasulullah, give me permission. I want to go back to Mecca and I want to give them da'wah to Islam. I want to, I want to call them to Islam. So the Prophet ﷺ said, yes, this is good. You go ahead and do that. So Umair ibn Wahab, he leaves Medina and he goes back on his way to Mecca. So when he reaches Mecca, when he reaches Mecca, he tells the people of Mecca, he says, Abshiru, Abshiru, I give you glad tidings. And then he says that there is something that has happened that will make all of the worries and the sadness that you have about Badr 
it will all go away. There is something that if you know about this, all of the sadness and all of the depression that you have had since the day of Badr, it will all go away. So when Safwan heard this, Safwan, the man who planned out with Umair the assassination attempt on the Prophet ﷺ, when he heard this, when he heard these words from Umair, that there is something that will make all of your sadness and depression about Badr go away, he thought that this meant that Umair had actually succeeded and assassinated the Prophet ﷺ. And if the Quraysh heard that, they will be very happy and they will forget about all of their sadness about Badr. So Safwan, he goes to Umair and he said, did you do it? Did you actually kill him? And then he said, no, I didn't kill him. Actually, I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad وسلم, is the messenger of Allah. And if the people would accept this as the truth, then whatever sadness and whatever worries and whatever depression they have, that will all go away. So now Safwan is flabbergasted that he sent him over there to kill the Prophet and instead of doing that, the opposite happened. He comes back to Mecca as a believer in the religion of the Prophet Muhammad So Safwan is very upset and he says to Umar, Wallahi lan ukallimaka abadan. He said, Wallahi, I will never speak to you again. So this was the story of Umar ibn Wahab accepting Islam and he kept his word he came to Mecca and he gave da'wah to his people he started giving da'wah to the Quraysh in Mecca and alhamdulillah a large number of people accepted Islam in Mecca on the hands of Umair ibn Wahab also around this time after Badr the daughter of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam Zainab she finally was able to make the hijrah to Medina after the battle of Badr and if you remember last week we spoke about the husband of Zainab Abu Al-Asi ibn Rabi' he was one of the prisoners of Badr that the Muslims had taken him as prisoner and Zainab radiallahu anha she sent a necklace of hers as his ransom so they released him and out of honor to the daughter of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam they returned that necklace as well but the Prophet ﷺ took a promise from Abu Al-Asi ibn Rabi' that you will, allow my <coughs> you will allow my daughter to leave Mecca and to come and join me in Medina. And Abu Al-Asi, he gave his word. He said, yes, I give you my word that I will give her permission to do this. So when Abu Al-Asi, when he went back to Mecca, he kept his word. He kept his word and he said to his wife, he said to Zainab, if you want to join your father in Medina, you are free to go. You are free to go. You can go. So Zainab radiallahu anha, she prepared herself to make hijrah and to join her father, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in Al-Madina. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam actually praised Abu Al-Asi ibn Rabi' even though he was a disbeliever. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam praised him for speaking the truth and honoring his promise and honoring his word. He said, he said he, he spoke to me and he told the truth and he made me a promise and he kept his promise. So Abu Al-Asi, he told his brother, 
Kanana ibn Rabi'ah. He said, okay, you take Zainab to the path to Medina. She can't just go by herself. You take her and once she's on the path, then you can come back to Mecca. You just guide her to the path and then you can come back. So he, he gave his brother Kanana ibn Rabi'ah these instructions. And from the other side, the Prophet ﷺ sent Zayd ibn Haritha and also one of the Ansar to go on the path towards Mecca so that they could meet them halfway. So Kanana would bring Zainab half the way to Medina and Zayd and another person from the people of Medina would meet them in the middle of the pathway. So Kanana starts the journey with Zainab عنها, on the way to Al-Madina. And when the Quraysh find out about this, that the daughter of Rasulullah is trying to leave Mecca and join her father in Medina, and the Muslims had just defeated and humiliated the Quraysh in this battle, they thought that this would be an extra humiliation. Now, the daughter of Muhammad is going to leave Mecca openly in front of their eyes and join her father in Al-Madinah. So they thought that this would be an extra humiliation. They're already humiliated and this is more of a humiliation and it will show that they are really weak and they have no power to stop anything. So Kanana and Zainab, they're on their way and some of the Quraysh try to stop them. So Habbar ibn al-Aswad is the first one who reaches them. And he strikes the camel that Zainab is upon. He strikes the camel that Zainab is upon. He hits it to such an extent that it moves around. And Zainab radiallahu anha, she fell off that camel and she got injured. Now Kanana who was with her, her brother-in-law, he tells the people of Quraysh, he says, anyone who tries to come near us and tries to stop us, I have my, my arrows. I will strike anyone who comes near us with these arrows and I will kill them. So Abu Sufyan, when he sees that this matter has escalated, and Abu Sufyan now is the undisputed leader of the Quraysh, because all of those other leaders of the Quraysh, they're dead. Like Abu Jahl and Utbah ibn Rabi'ah and the rest of them, they're all dead. So Abu Sufyan now, he is the leader of the Quraysh. So he says to Kanana, he says, Hawwin alayk. He says, calm down, calm down. If you leave with her, with Zainab, the daughter of Muhammad, if you leave with her right now in front of everyone, publicly like this, it will be a humiliation to us. And it will show that we are worthless and weak and we have no strength whatsoever. If you want to leave with her, okay, you can leave. But... Don't do it openly like this. Give it a few days and then leave quietly and secretly so it won't be as much of a humiliation upon us. So Kanana, he agreed to these terms. He said, okay. So they went back to Mecca and they stayed for a few days. Zainab was injured anyways, so they needed time for her to heal. And after a few days, they left in the middle of the night secretly and they went to, towards Al-Madinah. And Zayd and the other man from the Ansar that the Prophet ﷺ had sent, they met them halfway. And once they met them, Kanana, he returned back to Mecca. And Zainab anha continued the journey to Medina with Zayd and the man from Al-Ansar. And they reached Medina. So this is how Zainab 
bint Rasulullah Zainab bint Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam finally was able to make her hijrah to Al-Madinah. So these are some of the things that happened shortly after the Battle of Badr. And in addition to that, because Islam became strong after the Battle of Badr, the image of the Muslims became strong and the reputation of the Muslims became strong. The Munafiqeen became more active. At first, the Munafiqeen were not so active because they thought, okay, Islam, it will die out eventually. And then we won't have to continue with this charade. But when they saw that Islam has, was becoming stronger and stronger, especially after the Battle of Badr, they knew that they had to keep it up and they knew that they had to play a better game in their nifaq, in their hypocrisy. So the activities of the munafiqeen, they increased after the Battle of Badr. Also, shortly after the Battle of Badr, the treachery and the betrayal of the Jews of Al-Madinah started to become apparent. And if you remember, the Prophet ﷺ had made an agreement and a treaty with the Jews of Al-Madinah. But the Jews were never known to be people who keep their word. And they were known for their treachery and they were known for their betrayal. So shortly after the Battle of Badr, the treachery and the betrayal of the Jews started to become apparent. And the first confrontation between the Muslim army and the Jews took place at Ghazwa Qaynuqa'a, the Battle of Qaynuqa'a. And inshallah next week we will talk about the Battle of Qaynuqa'a between the Muslims and the Jews bi-idhnillah. Wallahu a'lam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.